How secure is the state of Illinois' election system? And is it still vulnerable to the kind of cyber attack that happened in 2016? We'll answer that question on this week's edition of Capital Cast. Hello and welcome to Capital Cast, the weekly podcast from Capital News Illinois. I'm Peter Hancock. Earlier this week, the U.S. House Homeland Security Committee held a field hearing in Lake County, Illinois, to talk about election security. As many people already know, Illinois was one of several states whose election systems were targeted by Russian hackers in 2016. So what Congress wanted to know, and what many people in Illinois probably still want to know, is what is Illinois doing to secure its 2020 elections? Here to talk about that today is Matt Dietrich, spokesman for the Illinois State Board of Elections. Matt, thanks for being here. Good to be here, Peter. First, take us back to 2016. What happened in 2016? How did you find out about it? And what has the board done since then? In uh, July of 2016, our IT staff discovered that uh, an, an outside intruder had broken into our statewide voter registration database. And they had been there for a couple of weeks before uh, our IT people discovered it. And the way that they discovered it was um, the, the hacker had been, uh, it was what is referred to as an SQL injection, which is a type of hack where the, um, the perpetrator sends uh, queries into a database trying to get information back out of the database. Sure. And what happened was the hacker was there for a couple of weeks and then all of a sudden began just bombarding our system with queries, uh, hundreds of queries per minute, and it basically shut down our whole system. Um, and that's when our IT department noticed something was wrong. Very quickly they discovered what the problem was, which the problem was it was a design flaw, a mistake on our part. They, they, they fixed the mistake right away. Um, shut down our entire system, uh, shut down the online voter registration, and um, very quickly we notified the Attorney General's office. The Attorney General's office called in the FBI, who also brought in the Department of Homeland Security, um, and that's how it got rolling. And by October of 2016, the Department of Homeland Security started doing weekly cyber hygiene checks of our system where they tried to look for vulnerabilities and tried to hack back in. And, um, but the, the essence of what happened, Peter, was um, we ended up notifying 76,000 voters individually by mail that their, their registration data had been viewed. And uh, we established a special hotline with the Attorney General's office in case any of those voters noticed anything suspicious happening with their personal information. Um, and that's important because when you fill out a voter registration card, you put down a lot of personal information, sure. your name, mm -hmm. your address, your date of birth. Right. Uh, does Illinois collect Social Security In information? In the la last four digits. Yeah. I mean, that, that's a lot of personal information. Correct. And, and what the, the concern was that it would be used for identity theft. At that point, no one was thinking that a foreign country might have been behind this in order to interfere with an election or undermine American confidence in the, in the election system. That didn't come into public consciousness until, until really after the 2016 election. And so 
the concern of on our part was we got to let people know this is what happened. Um, we have to figure out exactly what did they view. It took a lot of took probably thousands of hours of developer time just going through and recreating the hack to figure out exactly what they did, what they could have done. We weren't concerned with who was behind it because we had turned that all over to law enforcement by that point. Okay, and Illinois wasn't the only target. Uh, right. Several states were targeted, but it was one of the very few, I believe, that was actually penetrated. Right. We thought we were the only one. Now, there was a Senate Intelligence Committee report from earlier this year that seemed to say there was a county in Florida that may have had some kind of similar okay. activity. Yeah. I, I don't know very much about that. As far as I'm concerned, we're the, I mean, we are the ones that, really got all the attention because it, it was caught. And now in the wake of that, you asked about, you know, what have we done since yeah, then? Yeah, what, what have we done since then? The, the better question might be what haven't we done because everything changed about how we handle the data, how the data is stored, um, how we access the data. Um, but, but literally everything changed after that. And so looking forward, it's kind of hard to believe, but the 2020 presidential primary in Illinois is just now five months away. Right. Um, are we prepared for that? Well, like we always say, we think we are. We are confident that we've done everything we can to stay one step ahead of any hacker, whether they're in the United States, whether it's a, a foreign actor, which I should have mentioned that, you know, back in, in July of 2018, the Justice Department indicted 12 Russian military officials, including one, who was responsible for our data breach. Um, now, we have had an election in between now and then, we, and we, we partnered with the Illinois National Guard Cybersecurity Unit for the 2018 general election, and we were on high alert through the 2018 cycle and had no problems whatsoever. Um, so we've been through this once before. The, the thing is, though, obviously, presidential elections are much higher profile and with everything going on in this particular election, again, we're on high alert. And, and like we've been yeah. advised, that this is, it's very likely that somebody will try something. And the U.S. House Intelligence Committee has concluded a couple of times that this was an effort by Russian mm -hmm. actors uh, to interfere in the election, to sway public opinion uh, toward Donald Trump. Uh, against the Democrat Hillary Clinton, who had been a former Secretary of State and was harshly critical of the Putin government. Um, but I want, I want to move on a little bit, though, uh, because hacking into voter registration databases is, is a serious threat. They could conceivably remove large numbers of voters or targeted voters from the list to interfere with the election. But it's not the only uh, security concern. At the committee hearing, there was also talk about the voting machines, the actual things right. that we used to vote in. Um, and it was said that the old-fashioned paper ballots actually turn out to be the most secure. Uh, They're the most secure because if everything else fails, you can rerun your election using mm -hmm. those ballots. And Illinois is one of the states that has a paper backup for every vote that's cast. And I think they said there yeah. are eight states that rely on the touchscreens that don't have a paper backup. Yeah, at least one, one or more counties in like eight different states mm -hmm. use those things. Um, but not everybody can use those paper ballots. People with visual disabilities, uh, people with certain physical disabilities don't use that. So 
Illinois does have some touchscreen systems or um, other kinds of uh, correct. And in that case, you would you would receive a paper. You know, there is a a paper document that's printed so that you can see what your that your votes cast were correct. And then we have that paper record. Should there be any need to to recheck or or recount? We also do a 5% random retabulation statewide after every election. Um, so, okay. you know, they, th those are needed. And another uh, security concern, and this is probably something that the State Board of Elections can't do much about, uh, is the disinformation campaign right. that is going on. And a new House Intelligence Committee report just came out, I think, October 11th. And I want to read part of what it says here. Russian disinformation efforts may be focused on gathering information and data points in support of an active measures campaign targeted at the 2020 U.S. presidential election. A USA Really website, and that's a very bizarre website, and its affiliate social media channels, which have been linked to Russia's Internet Research Agency on the basis of technical findings, have engaged in a number of campaigns seemingly focused on gathering personal information, emails, phone numbers, and bank details of U.S.-based audiences sympathetic to Russian disinformation topics. So they have been very active in social media through Facebook, through Twitter, through other kinds of social media platforms, spreading fake news, totally made-up news, skewed news. What advice do you give to consumers, to people who are on social media, uh, about how to be aware of things like that? Well, be, number one is be skeptical. Uh, if you see anything that strikes you as particularly crazy, don't believe it. Check a little further. Uh, don't take anyone at their word on social media when they're telling you things like, uh, this actually happened in 2016. Uh, Republicans vote on Tuesday. Democrats vote on Wednesday. Things like that. The only, and this is a, a, an ad campaign that you'll, you'll see from us as 2020 rolls out. Um, we're really trying to get it into Illinois voters' minds that if you want to find out the correct election information, the place to go is our website, which is elections.il.gov. If you want to know where you vote, are you registered? If you want to register online, if you want to find out who's running, um, anything like that. Um, what hours are the polling places open? That's set in state statute. They're going to be open from 6 a.m. to 7 p.m. Um, Elections.il.gov is the place to go. And, now, that, and, and yeah. Peter, really, and Ken, we talked about cybersecurity, and we talked about, and when we talk about cybersecurity, we're talking about voter registration information. There's a lot of, it gets confusing because people talk about voting machines being hacked those tabulators that you see in your polling place. Right. What we're most concerned about with those machines is not that they're going to be remotely hacked because that is so, re it's possible, but it is so remote. It takes... Well, most of them are not even connected to the Internet. They're not connected to the Internet, and it takes a sequence of really bad data handling in order to get some kind of malware into them that could create any kind of a problem. What we're most concerned about with the machines is they're old and they break and then a tabulator breaks in a polling place and lines develop and people get irked and angry and lose. And this is, again, goes back to losing confidence in the voting system. And that came up also in the committee hearing. Uh, 
Elizabeth Howard, I think, from, uh, from the, the Brennan, Brennan Center, Center mm-hmm. uh, at New York University, uh, was estimating, and this is a problem nationwide with aging voting equipment, right. most of which is purchased by county-level governments, mm-hmm. and you know, many of them don't have resources to stay on top of technology. She estimated it would cost about $2.2 billion to get right. all 50 states. That's about in the ballpark. We, we think... In Illinois, it would take $175 million to really replace all of the voting equipment that all the counties use. The last time that was done was 2004. We got a federal grant that year of about $144 million. So now we're saying it would be about 175 to replace. A lot of the counties are still using that 15-year-old equipment, and it gets a lot of use. You know, it gets used every year in in the yeah, uh, state elections, municipal elections, yep. counties, school boards. Those yeah. tabulators that take your paper ballot in have motors in them that need to run. They have to be properly calibrated. And a lot of them, they break. They, they're obsolete. You, they're, people have trouble finding parts for them. So that's our main concern there. Um, of course, the new equipment is less vulnerable to any kind of a malware situation. But, you know, getting back to your the, the last question uh, that you had asked about the social engineering aspect of election interference, and what I was going to say is with, with cybersecurity, uh, there, is a, there is a book, you know, there's, an, there's a manual for that. Mm-hmm. We know what we need to do. We know what the latest fixes are for cybersecurity. And we can be vigilant and watch out for the next threat that's, that might be out there, whatever, if it's a virus or, you know, if there's a ransomware scare. Or um, we know what kind of defenses to put on our hardware. Um, there is some science to that. When you get into this social media aspect of it, there is only so much that any election authority can do. We cannot, social media is too vast for us to patrol, we're doing everything we can. And I just had a, uh, I, I spent an hour on the phone with a lot of other state election authorities last week, hearing from Facebook about um, a new uh, uh, website that they're going to have for us to use. It's a big dashboard that will allow us to monitor in real time certain keywords being used on election day. Mm. So if we happen to see someone out there spreading incorrect information we can go straight to facebook and they can intervene and we can also start getting out the correct message but think of how many social media users there are out there it's you know you yeah it's there and there's just there is not a playbook for how do you combat that Uh, and then you get into the political side of it and we we you know we we cannot be first amendment police either yeah um where if if someone is saying negative things about a candidate it's not going to be our business to come in and try to and 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 you know try to sift that out russian hackers are not the only ones playing this game a lot of people play voter suppression games Mm -hmm. uh, just part of the rough and tumble uh, life of politics sometimes Um, and (laughs) i wanted to ask you about one other thing though uh elizabeth howard from the bremen center also brought up her recommendation uh that illinois and all other states uh, really enhance the post-election audits that they do right. uh, to make sure that the person who was named as the winner, I think this is how she phrased it, that the person named as the winner actually won the election. Uh, any chance that we'll see something like that? Well, what she was referring to 
are called risk limiting audits. And uh, what Illinois does is our audit is a 5% random retabulation after the election where we notify every election jurisdiction, and there are 108 in Illinois, which precincts we need to see 5% of your vote, and we tell them which we want to do. They have to run it. It has to come out to the vote, exactly to the vote. Mm -hmm. And if it's not, we take it apart until they figure out what the problem is. Risk-limiting audits are more extensive than that. Now, the problem we have at the state level is risk-limiting audits, you need to have a uniform election system. And we have six in, in our, among our 108 local election authorities. So an individual county could perform its own risk-limiting audit. Um, it's a very, very detailed process. And you need to keep in mind that, you know, typically as a voter, you think of the one ballot that, that you see. Mm -hmm. But there are dozens and dozens and dozens of ballot styles that in, encompass, uh, you know, township offices, school board members, park board members, any, you know, there are so many yeah. different ballot styles coming through each precinct. Um, and the, the risk limiting audit is a more extensive way of going back through each one of those and making sure that everything is calibrated correctly. Now, we are confident that the 5% retabulation that we do gives us confidence in, um, in, in our election results. And we think voters can be confident with that. Um, it would probably take a pretty good injection of money before we could impose risk limiting audits throughout Illinois. Those would have to be done at the county level. The last thing I want to ask about is the results. Um, you do help tabulate statewide results or throughout a, a congressional district, the information that comes in from the counties. Is that system vulnerable? Can somebody get into that system and change the results of an election? No, they could not. Um, that is, there's a lot of confusion because what will happen is the results you see on election night will change in the days after the election as vote-by-mail ballots come in, or provisional ballots are ruled on and counted as real votes. And you do a final canvas right. to and look at challenged ballots. Everything or... that you see on election night is an unofficial total. Yeah. The official total, uh, the official um, certification doesn't happen until up to 30 days after the election. We're required to certify the results within 30 days, usually somewhere around three weeks or so is, is when it actually gets done. Um, that is not subject to hacking. Um, that is all done securely between us and the jurisdictions. Um, now, unofficial results that the counties put up on election night, that th those results are as secure as the county's overall um, overall online system is. Okay, and you have people that go out and help the counties secure their internal systems. We do, we have, well, we just started this last year, it's called the Cyber Navigator Program, and the, the intent of that was to get technicians, cyber navigators, into all 108 election authorities to do risk assessments on their systems for cybersecurity, um, to train their staff on things like don't, uh, click on unfamiliar links. 
Fishing campaigns mm-hmm. are the main gateway for all of this kind of all the kind of problems that governments typically see. Our goal is to make sure that every county has the same cybersecurity resources available and training that we have at the state level and that some of the larger jurisdictions like Cook County, City of Chicago, the larger county governments have fairly robust IT staffs. A lot of the smaller counties don't have that. Some of the very sparsely populated counties had very limited um, cybersecurity resources. So now we can make sure that they have the, both the knowledge and the ability to pay for it because we can give them grants through our federal program, our uh, Help America Vote Act grant. That's been our big push. We don't want any election jurisdiction to be the weak link in our election system. We don't want anybody to go through what we went through three years ago because it really, it really did turn our, our whole agency upside down for a few weeks. So the bottom line that I think people want to know is on election day, how much confidence can people have that their vote will be counted and it will be counted accurately? 100%. 100% for, for vote counting. There is no need to have any doubt about that. Um, if you were asking me about what about the security of voter registration data, I will tell you we believe that is safe too. Are, can we guarantee there will never be another incident like there was back then? Can't guarantee it. We can give you our word that we are doing everything possible to stay a step ahead of it. But when it comes to casting those ballots and tabulating the votes, those machines are not connected to the Internet. Those machines are not vulnerable to the, uh, the Russian operation that is probably going to be at work you know, throughout the 2020 election season. Okay, Matt Dietrich, spokesman for the Illinois State Board of Elections. Thank you for being here. Thank you, Peter. That'll do it for this edition of Capital Cast. Capital Cast is a production of Capital News Illinois, a statehouse reporting project of the Illinois Press Foundation. If you enjoyed this show, subscribe to us on your favorite podcast app. Until next time, thanks for listening.